Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and our blood alcohol level will be peaking soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading our Patreon poll-selected book for this month, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan, and starting with a beer. So this book, the, the titular Joy Luck Club, is when four Chinese matriarchs would meet to play mahjong and discuss things, and they probably had a good amount of talking points. This is talking points from Magnify Brewing in New Jersey. It says made in New Jersey right on the can. I don't know why you wouldn't want to tell people that. And it's a West Coast <laughs> India pale ale. It's a warning. <laughs> Contains <laughs> Axe <Disclaimer>. body spray. <laughs> May Ouch. have been manufactured in a garbage dump. I feel like that would sting. <laughs> 6.3% alcohol, West Coast IPA, made in New Jersey, which is, you know... The West Coast of the, to the East West Coast. Coast. <laughs> and this book does take place on the West Coast, at least the American parts do. This is very good. It's not, like, super-duper better like uh, old-school West Coast IPAs are. But it's certainly, I would not call it a juicy, kind of hazy thing. It's crystal clear. It's a great beer. Now, this book, what was our theme? Was it lady authors? I think so, yeah. Yes, it was. It's the only time we read women books, so... <laughs> that one month a year... It's their time of the month for us to read this book. We were going to do all women this month, but then a thing happened in the world. So we're like, oh, no, no, we got to put a male author in there. <laughs> it's insane in the Ukraine. So Joy Look Club is Amy Tan's first novel, and it came out in 1989. It was a big bestseller. A lot of people read it in school, apparently. I was assigned to read it in school, and I read it, allegedly. You either got this or the Joy or the, um, the Good Earth. But that's by a white lady about missionaries in China, right? Pearl S. Bob? She was a child of missionaries, but it's about Chinese people. But it's written entirely by a, by a white lady, yeah. I know they made a movie of that, and they refused to hire any Asian actors. Oh, God, but every character's Asian. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn's in it. Oh, no. They all have super taped back oh, God, eyes. It's really? really bad. Wow. And uh, the movie was a big hit. Somebody, a white lady, won an Oscar for it. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, Louise Rayner, I think one, uh, I forget if it's supporting your best actress. Right? I'm sure that anyway, one hasn't held up. No. But the movie of the Joy Luck Club is was selected for whatever, you know, registry of important films. Because it's the second movie in America <laughs> with a lot of Asian characters <laughs> played by Asian people. Yeah. And then the third movie would be like Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> Just 30 short years later. It's the Joy Luck Club, Nate. The Joy Luck Club. Uh, book came out in 1989. Oh, I have a beer for that, Nate. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it is a book that is really just a series of vignettes that are connected to each other. The first story is actually where sort of the characters kind of get introduced, or at least the four mothers, because it's a story of four mothers, either in China, their their history in China when they were children, which would have been like the 1920s, 1930s era and then also coming to America. Starring Eddie Murphy. And then also the stories of four, and each one of them has a daughter that becomes a uh, you know first-person perspective character in different vignettes as well. And there are a total of 16 vignettes, so I assume they, and then there are eight characters, so I assume they each get two. Well, except that's the true, fact except that I'm the, sure mother, that the, mo- the first mother is dead. Right. Which you still how... hear from her perspective, though quite uh quite a bit but not right away hmm. the very first story which is actually called the joy luck club is about and this was actually real this was actually uh 
Amy Tan's mother really did do this. She really did meet four other ladies from China about her age, and they were living in San Francisco, and they're like, hey, let's get together on, you know, once every month or so or something like that to play Mahjong and just chat and hang out, and her husbands can, like, hang out too. And they all had a good time. And um, When someone uh, does something, like, routinely, would you say that's kind of like a ritual? And when they play Mahjong... Those tiles come from somewhere else, so they're kind of like foreign objects. <laughs> this is ritual colors from foreign objects. <laughs> it's it, uh, it, judges approve. Eight percent double dry hop thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's got more bubbles than usual. <laughs> Certified beer judge Jimmy. <laughs> it's got more bubbles. <laughs> this one, the this one hurts a little. Off. <laughs> Bubbly. It's good. It's not uh, overwhelming. You know, it's honestly it tastes a little malty, but maybe I'm just confusing that with some other fucking flavor that I'm not. I've had a thousand of these. They're all good. This one's good. Also, the fact that four of the main of the narrators are immigrants, they and American sentiment towards Chinese was not very nice. It would be in character. I mean, this was like during the, like when did the Chinese Exclusion Act actually get repealed? <laughs> Repealed? I don't oh, know if it never. ever did. I mean, I technically, <laughs> but it was replaced it by the um, quotas. Uh, it was based on uh, the quota system was set up. So this was a law set up to uh, limit immigration from different countries to the United States, and it was a quota to be a certain amount allowed from various countries. The number was based on the number of those people who lived in the country according to the eighteen ninety census. Mm. So. Like, Let's go like 30 years ago and let's keep it at those numbers. It was deliberate. <laughs> when there was an act, like a specific, it was like Chinese people cannot come here except for certain circumstances. And then there were a whole bunch of Supreme Court cases like no China man could be a citizen. So it was pretty ridiculous time. And uh, there were just these handful of like little Chinatowns on the West Coast where probably 95% or more of Chinese Americans or Chinese immigrants lived. And these parents are from, like, the generation, or like, right after that, basically. Like, they, yeah. they come here right after World War II. Do they all come, they all, they all come here, like, during the Japanese invasion of China? Or at least one um, or two of them does. All right. So, China's history, they, like, stopped being a empire, I guess, in somewhere around, like, 1912. And then they tried to exactly be a democracy. Great, so I got it right. So they tried to January be January first, nineteen. They tried to be a democracy, and they technically elected one guy named Sun Yat-sen, who was very popular. Except the government was like and a mess and couldn't keep anything together. And so, like from the nineteen twenties to the nineteen to really nineteen forty nine is largely called the like warlord period or something like that. Where doesn't sound great. Where China's like basically a had a very. Um, Oh, yeah, being a warlord must have been fucking awesome. But uh, central government, <laughs> Still, told. very weak. And then in 1937, Japan... So Japan had actually already invaded Manchuria, and then they invaded mainland China. No, one of the two. So basically, in 1937, Japan, which was expansionist, uh, manufactured a, like, excuse to basically invade China. Like, hey, they looked at us funny. It's and coming right invaded. at us. Um, <laughs> largely, one of the reasons why Japan attacked the United States at Pearl Harbor... It's because they were just losing so many guys and resources and trying to take over China that they really were going to, they really needed more. So they attacked America in order to like take over the Philippines. During that time period, 
Japan is like trying to take over the country, but China is just so fucking gigantic that they have a, it is very difficult. The Russia defense. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. It was more like the just throw people at, pr- at the problem defense. It's just kind of like, just throw all those people there. That's, That's also fine. the Russia defense. Anyway, the, the what, <laughs> <laughs> what, also true, yes. Uh, China's government at the time, uh, you could say was the Kuomintang, which is now pronounced the Kuomintang. At, and, and that was like China's government, but they were not really very effective. During that time, also, China had al- they had already thing. been trying to fight off the communists, the communist revolution in Mao for a good 20 years or 15 years. Fun fact, they, when Japan invaded, Mao and the communists cooperated with the, with the nationalists, with the Kuomintang, to fight against Japan. But then once Japan was defeated in 1945, they resumed their civil war. And it's like millions, t- time so out on our war, died. guys. There's a bigger war right now. Yeah, kind of. It's like I, it's basically like I don't want you to win, but I sure as fuck don't want the Japanese to win. <laughs> yeah, and like so many millions of people died. I want to say Jap- uh, Japan killed 20 million people in China just during like 1937 to 1945, and some absolutely horrific, horrific things and happened. About 40 million squids that they jerked off onto. <laughs> oh, God. It's a squid holocaust. Yeah. Why? It's a different kind of squid game. Wrong Asians, I know. And then, after Japan was defeated by America, then they resumed their civil war from 45 to 49, and millions died again, but eventually now. In the communists, almost all the communists. <laughs> yeah, almost all of them, except because of the fucking the long march. Except where... they won. That was in the thirties. That had like actually already happened before. Um, bef- before mostly before the war, I think. Yeah. So, so but oh, many, many had four died. or five times when five million or so Chinese people die. Oh yeah, that's a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it was. They had a rough few decades. Like a century or two. <laughs> well, actually, the Chinese government today refers to like the, the period from like the Opium Wars to which um, was the eighteen forties, the establishment of the of the PRC as the century of humiliation. Jesus, <laughs> so it's pretty appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a bleak title. <laughs> well, it's also part of like a modern oh yeah nationalist Certainly. kind of thing. Like, and now it's fucking sweet. <laughs> Just don't Google any of it, because you can't. <laughs> the mothers, for the most part, lived in China in the 1920s and 1930s, uh, and, and 1940s. The 1940s is when they were leaving, but they were children. Some of the stories are about the mothers when, the, when, they're, when they're children or when they're young adults and leaving China and trying to come to America. And the daughters are all born in America and are American. Uh, and so the story is not only about the mothers the mothers in their history it's about the relationships between the mothers and their daughters but it's also about the immigrant experience and having and being an immigrant but also being the child of immigrants and it's about sort of all of those different kinds of things i need a beer after all that so there are four mothers and four daughters so uh this beer is called milf party four giants and the haze of destiny by founders Sounds like a really terrible fantasy novel. <laughs> like a Tenacious D song. Yeah, I definitely could see that. Definitely. This says it's an imperial hazy IPA that is 8.4% alcohol. Do you know that when uh, Japan took over Manchuria, who they put in charge of it as the puppet head? The Manchurian puppet candidate? Uh, there was no election. <laughs> but is the guy who had been emperor 
up until 1912. Really? Oh. Yeah. Be like the child emperor that got just the, the last Qing Puyi? emperor. Puyi, exactly. They put him in charge again, and I read this quote about it once, and I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like, for the second time he was emperor, and for the second time he didn't know why. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs> He's just a schmuck. But he was their puppet leader. How's the beer? Uh, beer's good. Yeah. Beer's good. Yeah. It's um, uh, it's not as hazy. You know, it's a founder, so it's not going to be as hazy as the, you know, Finback other half evil twin beers that we have. But, you know, Founders is a big, like, national company, so they're not going to be able to manage all that. But, no, it's nice. It's definitely not as bitter. It's not a bitter IPA. So, you know, they're trying. It's pretty good. I think um, Founders All Day IPA is one of, like, the top five IPAs in the country in terms of sales. So Well, it's it's available everywhere. Of course, and it is better than a lot of other national brands so like beer nerds like douche douchey bro guys who are like no bro unless it's that hazy 12 and a half percent basically um, the haze bros uh they will shit on it but for most people it's a great beer um and it is just some people are snobs so when you're making that kind of when you have that kind of you know market you have to make things that are a little more subdued you can't risk that not selling well at that scale. Like hops are an extremely expensive part of the beer. But you know what helps with expenses? Oh god. <laughs> and who helped bring us these beers, Jimmy? It's uh, our supporters over at Patreon. Yeah, it's our patrons. And they chose this episode. Yeah, tell them about the tell them about the Patreon, Jimmy. Well, the Patreon is a thing where you give us money and we give you stuff. Uh you can get all kinds of stuff like tangible goods like coasters glasses, and glasses. Coasters, stickers. And Lions and tigers Barware. and bears, oh my. And, discount at uh, our merch store. Yeah, we have a merch store, and you can get a discount on it, apparently. And also, you get to vote in the monthly book poll, which is the poll that chose this book. And every book poll winner, during that episode, we get to shout out our patrons who name themselves things and make us say them. And this month, it is my turn. Most people do keep their actual name. I'm hoping they change that. I really like the fake names. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, that's fair because often it doesn't go well for you. But we'll see how it does this week, this month. Don't hold your breath, Nate. <laughs> All right. So this month we'd like to thank William, Sophia, Book Slut Maria. I think that's her first name. Uh, <laughs> it's a family name. David, Derek, Carol, Sarah, Nick, Joseph, Joe King. Jeff, Yolanda, Tracy, Hunter, Jennifer. Oh, boy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> what does this say? Oh, my it's a God. a long name. I'm sorry, Nate. Uh, <laughs> Nate was kind of taking all of his place to Ukrainian pets, but after one night with Nate, they wished they were back in the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep trying to get Nate onto Tinder. But he says he doesn't need it as long as the pet cemetery leaves that one gate unlocked. <laughs> Anita. <laughs> Barry. Anita Tolick. Right? Anita Tolick. Barry. Julian. Ben Nadeover. After knowing and working with him long enough, I can confidently say that Nate's ideal book would be a combination of The Art of the Deal, Lolita, and Mein Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> 
Russell, Grace, <laughs> Catherine, Colton. I see a yellow ass. <laughs> Stephen, Nick, man love book review fan. <laughs> oh, super califragilistic XB Alley those tits. Joe, Crab, Michael, Daniel, existentialist watermelon. Hayden, smiling been over now. Emotional support burrito and CL. Sorry, Nate. Thanks, everybody. You guys rock. <laughs> Do they, though? <laughs> Not all of them. You know who you are. <laughs> we don't. Looking forward to next month. Who's, who reads them next month? Is it my turn again? Oh, no, it's Nate's it's turn, turn next month. I think it is my turn next month. All right. Your well, turn. That's something to look forward to. I've, why did I feel like I didn't get a break? You didn't. You just got... <laughs> you, the train was run on you for months. For a little while, there'd be jokes about me. I'd have to say things, insulting things about myself. I got one. Just I got one or fun. two, but yeah, not it's it's they're weirder with yours, certainly. <laughs> well, they figured something out about Nate <laughs> that he hates this, <laughs> so it's really fun to see him get pissed off. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so we haven't actually even gotten to the plot yet. <laughs> there's not really a. There's no overall plot. There's a so frame, much. a very a small frame, and then a lot of thinking about all those themes Nate laid out. The frame so the is, that, is the, the, that if there's close to a main character, it's June. And I apologize in advance for I'm gonna fuck up saying all the Chinese names, but I'm trying my best. Jing Mei, I that's, guess, is yeah, what her name. That's as good as we're gonna get. That's as close I'm as I'm sure gonna get. that's how it would be said by anyone who's not a native Chinese speaker. Or Mandarin or Cantonese speaker. It does, I don't know. Or one of the other four or five languages they mention in this. Anyway. Uh she has you know, her mother is the one that starts the Joy Luck Club. And her mother has just has recently died. And so she is invited to join them to go play Mahjong and hang out with these old people. And she's a, a woman in her mid-30s. And she's, you know, div- divorced, I think. And, like, hasn't finished college. And, like, is kind of aimless in some ways. Like, we're just trying to figure out who she's going to be. And has had this strained relationship with her mother. Um, As almost every her. girl in this book has. Well, yeah, they, <laughs> they all do. Uh, for different reasons. And the... One of the older moms says, you know, your mother... She knew that the mother had two other daughters that she had abandoned while fleeing whatever city it was in China and, you know, knowing that the Japanese were coming. And her husband was an officer in the Guamandang. And so they were like, we will be first against the wall and shot. Or actually, he'll be shot and then I'll be, like, raped to death. So let's get out of here. And so she left two kids and, like... They're like, we found those, we know where they are. We found those two daughters, and we want you to go like, meet them. Like, and this, 60 years later. Um, well, no, this book's from 89, yeah. so it's I mean, 40, 40 years later. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, she thought the kids were dead. She was sure they were dead, because, you know, they were infants she left on the roadside. You find out much later that the mom had been looking for many, many years. But it was kind of in the chaos after World War II, finding, you know, so many people displaced just fucking dead. Entire villages and cities, like, gone. Well, it was hard to even send to. mail to China until the 1970s when, when Nixon kind of opened it up. So, like, she couldn't even have really started until at some point in the 1970s. So then um, that's, like, the first part. And then it just jumps to start giving you the other women, the older mothers, their stories. And then you'll get their daughter's story. Said. So I'm not sure. We, I don't remember the order. Do you want to uh, do it that well, way? The first or? story is Jing Mei joining the Joy Club. And yeah. the story after that is the story of her mother, An Mei, 
who and her story of growing up um, raised in the 20s after she had been abandoned by her mother to live with her grandmother. And it was a bleak childhood because everyone, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a different time. And uh, her mother was looked upon shamefully. And her grandma was not a very nice lady and frequently told her that her mother was trash. And she's, you know, shamed the family by running off to be the concubine of some rich guy. And she had a joyless, sad childhood. And you're like, wow, that was a great story. Cool. <laughs> and then another mother Wait, was... That's not Jing Mei's mother, though. So that's... Uh, that's that's was, Rose's mother. Oh, is that... I, I just, oh, it, it oh was yeah, that's Rose's mother. It was very hard to keep that's track of yeah. which one. I made a chart. Uh, here's a chart, yeah. On May, like Sue, they all look alike. Rose, Sue, yeah. Okay, Rose's mother, On May. Yeah, you don't know right away what her mother has done to disgrace. You know, I don't think the there, there isn't any stories from Jing Mei's mother's perspective. No, you just get it. Like it goes back to Jing Mei, and it's like, and then I found out about yeah. my mom. Yeah. Or then so and so told me. There's no perspective from her because I, mean, I guess presume like the, the frame. So, so Jing like, Mei, these is, conversations come out of the meetings. Is basically Amy Tan, and like a lot of those stories are actually true from her, or at least somewhat true. Um, her mother really did have two young daughters, twin daughters that she had to leave behind in China, and that Amy Tan and her brother didn't even know about until they were adults. They did actually get to meet them though in the 1980s, although they're like and they're like old. <laughs> also, because I saw this thing which was actually on Netflix, but it was made by PBS. I think it was Jing Mei's mother's mother who really did become have to because her husband had died so she had to become the fourth wife which is really just a concubine and really did take opium too much opium and kill herself that is actually also true that was a true story that's the story you get at the end of the spoiler yeah that's one of the final stories is it the final story that's one of the final stories Not quite the final thing is Jing Mei finally meeting the sisters yes and like finally, on, I feel like I feel like we're skipping a it's lot the of final things here. story. But also, there's no like specific plot that goes through the whole thing. So, and it's not actually told in order either. Like there'll be this first. The first section is technically about the mothers. I mean, it is. It's about the mothers. But then in the second section, it's about the children when they're kids. Except sometimes it'll be from the perspective of the kid when they're older, remembering what it was like back when they were young. And so the story is also told out of order. And there so isn't just one to, story. And yeah, you know, sometimes you get the same story from different people, or you get you know similar versions, similar stories from like because the characters appear in each other's stories, so you get different perspectives of them, and then you understand them better. Except for Waverly, she's a fucking douche. Um, <laughs> she sucks. She sucks so much. Uh, so maybe maybe what would make sense instead of us trying to remember the order, which we won't and won't be helpful anyway, is if we just go through the four stories like the four main characters in their thing we kind of already did well, june seven well there's they're in pairs though that are intimately linked yeah. like the mother so one of the themes is this you know chinese american transition or chinese to america transition for these mothers who have to somehow who try in their own way to teach their daughters to live in this new world but like they're kind of stuck in the old world and 
that never seem to understand each other. You know, like there are con- all these different scenes. The daughters of don't speak Chinese even. Yeah, the daughters they don't really learn to speak it very well. They can understand it when it's spoken. They can never read it. It seems they're embarrassed by their parents when they're out in public with their parents. Yeah, they're trying. And their to, parents you know, are embarrassed by them. Well, they're like also true. Yeah, they're like like I can't believe what a shithead my kid is because <laughs> they're all getting divorces or they're married to dumb people. And I think all of the daughters marry non-Chinese guys. Maybe one um, does. Well, uh, Waverly, I think, had a uh, Asian husband. Her first husband was Asian, I think. Yeah, are they, are they, you know, they're, if they did, they are divorced and are remarrying someone. Like Waverly's marrying Rich, the awkward ginger. Well, he's, a, he's, a, he's just a tone deaf. He's, yeah. He's like truly ignorant. He has no idea how little <laughs> he knows about the people of China. <laughs> And it's just a like comes off to them as such an obnoxious barbarian, <laughs> but in reality, he's just he's like he's just trying to do what he would have done with any other set of parents, and it just is a communication, you know, lost in translation kind of thing. But yeah, Lena marries a white dude, or at least you know a non-Chinese guy. June was, yeah. was married to one, and then was divorced. I don't really hear much about that husband. Though. I don't, I don't, I don't remember, remember much either. about him. So let's talk about Waverly because I fucking hate her. Uh, <laughs> the chess wizard child. She sucks. So much. So Waverly and her mom, Lindo, which in my head I was thinking Delroy Lindo, that black actor. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. It's probably not Delroy Lindo, no. Not Delroy Lindo. You find out Lindo uh, was in an arranged marriage in China to a super wealthy family. And her parents had to, f- like when the, the Huang Ho or whatever overflowed or flooded, their house was destroyed. And so they're like, all right, you're going to go get married now. And they left, and then, you know... There's going to be a new... servant for a while, and then marry yeah. him. You're going to live in his attic. Married. <laughs> and the mother-in-law was a total cunt, and treated her like shit, like, you're not good enough to live here, sort of thing. And eventually they get married, and it's not really clear, like, looking at it in 2022, I'm like, is that husband just gay, or is he just a boy, like a man-child, like he doesn't actually want to touch girls, because he never wants to fuck his wife. And everyone's giving... Lindo shit like why aren't you pregnant yet he says you're sleeping he wouldn't even let her sleep in the bed but he's not telling that to his mother the mother's like he says he's filled you with so much seed it's like that's a weird thing to talk about like that it's like porridge (laughs) so kanji there's that there's that story and it's all like she got married to this dude and eventually figures out a way to out to smarter you know clever her way out of this shitty arrangement by pretending to be ill and appealing to like the crazy traditional superstitious stuff that a lot of the people believed in old mainland China in 1920 apparently like oh I had a dream where an ancestor complained that this was not gonna we were gonna have the candle blew out from our marriage she saw the candle blow out on their wedding night and that was a sign but then the servant had lied because the servant's job was to watch the candle and that went out and they're like oh shit I won't tell anyone and then if she found out that it went out, so she's like, oh, the ancestors are mad because they lied about this candle, and that's a bad sign, and uh, our marriage is doomed. And the mother's like, oh, shit. And then... Here's money, go away. He, and then uh, he hooks up with the servant and knocks her up a lot. So he wasn't gay, but it's still odd. You never know. Does he? I don't even remember that part. Yeah, no, they, uh, he, get, he marries the servant, and she, she, goes, she goes to America. Oh, shit, I misread it then. I mean, but he yeah, still might have been, been gay. Or he might have just been young. Yeah, you know? it was. They were like fifteen or sixteen, maybe. I don't remember. I don't remember. 15. 
I had a lot of seed that was not going. <laughs> it's <was> getting wasted. <laughs> would have been would have been great. <laughs> it's not my hand. Anyway, so that's Waverly's mom, and then Waverly is born in the states, and her they name her Waverly. I forget why name. It's because her house was on Waverly Place. That's like where the street was. So they they wanted there. She was the only child that got a English name. No, the other kids weren't they like Vincent and. Okay, well they gave they wanted to give her an English name. I have to admit, I really did have a lot of trouble keeping the different stories of who well, was most who of straight. the most of the siblings don't matter, and there's a lot of them. And also, most of the men in this book are not in it except to uh, except one guy who's really nice. Every other man is pretty much a bastard or not in the book or dies as a baby. It's definitely about the women. Yeah. And how they're victims oftentimes of the patriarchy. (laughs) Yes, the patriarchy is the thing that keeps women down by keeping them in the kitchen. (laughs) Especially in China at this time. Uh, This is the patriarchy. Why does it say naked fish on it? My favorite type of pastry. I don't like, know what the fuck that means. Okay. Uh, this is from Duclaw. We had this on uh, the Testaments, which is the... It's a series. There's different flavors. In oh, shit. well, maybe this is... Okay, maybe this one's different then. This is the chocolate raspberry stout naked fish, which I hope it's not salmon flavored. Well, just drink it, man, even if it's just for the halibut. <laughs> Tastes like raspberry. Zero fish, which I'm pretty happy about, honestly. Thank God. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I'm all a trout. Anyway, uh, it's a, what is it? It's a stout, 7.6%. It's raspberry, certainly. Certainly very berry flavored. And yeah, in this book, most of the men are exploitative bastards. Or like the dads who eventually they marry and who are either not even in it or basically useless well i think a big theme is about tradition right like the moms are trying to maintain these traditions that don't fit into this new society yeah but the dads have a much easier time of maintaining those traditions yeah well i mean also all the the dads of the girls are all these chinese dudes who are sometimes nice but sometimes pretty much every single one of the fathers of the older women are bad or just absent, or just absent, and and the, the 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 men that the women the girls marry in America are all like Waverly's hus- second husband, an idiot, or the others are all terrible, first and second husbands, all terrible, and they're all American dudes. Well, they're terrible in different ways. Yes, right? but they all suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of the terribleness is like um, was like the one who marries uh, George, the one who marries Rose. He's so, the, he's okay, like so the, uh, Rose, yeah. Rose, Rose is the daughter Ted. of Anmei, the one who whose mother abandoned her to be a concubine, to become a concubine. Rose marries this dude, and you know he marries her because you know his parents don't want her, him to marry an Asian girl, and his, her parents don't want to marry a white guy, so they get married. And then he's a fucking surgeon, and he sucks the nerves out of a lady's face, and then he loses all his self-respect and takes it out on his wife forever. Until he starts banging another lady. But also she had been very... She had not asserted herself ever. And he, he had not decisions. allowed her to also. 
Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, uh, fuck, I, I suck. You pick. And she's like, I don't I fucking know how to pick things anymore. I don't know how to make decisions. And then their um, relationship crumbled. And then he was a dick about, like, I'm getting, we're going to divorce. I want the house. Here's some money. Go away. And she, like, he, she sends, um, uh, he sends her the divorce papers with a check. It's like, here's some money to hold you over. And she's like, he used a different fucking ink for this. Like, was he, like, thinking about how much to give? She's like, that's too much. That's not, not enough. Not only did he use a different ink, it was it's clearly the super special nice pen that she gave him for his birthday or something like that. That he specifically said, I will only use it for signing important things. <laughs> and he clearly signed his, like, I'm divorcing your check to her with that pen. And she's like, fuck him. And then in one of the later most, well, not quite the last story, but one of the later stories, she's like, you know what? Fuck him. I'm not signing these divorce papers. I'm hiring a but lawyer. It's, and it's only, it's only through, though, thinking about her mom's story. That she realizes, she like learns the lesson, right? So her mom becomes the concubine for Wu Sing. Sing? I don't know, that's how I'm gonna say it. Who's a rich, like, I forgot what his business was, a textile merchant or something. He sold clothes to Westerners. And so he dressed like a Westerner. Okay, yeah, right. He, and he has an like a actual car in 1930s China, you know, which must have been pretty rare. And he has a whole bunch, and uh, he has. A main wife who's an opium addict, and he has a whole bunch of concubines, and his second wife who's the, the ringleader and schemer, and there's third wife who is just like the dumb yokel, and fourth wife is Rose's grandmother, or Aunt May's mother, who she, they tricked her, they forced her into this marriage, like he raped her, and they're like, you can't not, you know, you're damaged now, he better just marry me. Or be my, you know, side piece. And so the mother is like, this is the fucking worst. And teaches her, like, don't trust people who are too generous or too kind to you. Because the, the one of the first scenes when Anmei goes to the, the mansion, his second wife gives her a necklace, like a pearl necklace. Not what you're thinking. And Anmei's mom is like, no, don't, no, take that shit off, look. And it's, it's glass. It's just like a, a way to trick her. And I feel like that's part of the check thing. You know, like, this is not what it's worth, what you think it's worth. Don't don't trust people's first offer, essentially. And it's been, in reflecting Make on that, sure that's when... Make sure you look the gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> and if it's not good, you say nay. <laughs> and so Rose thinks about this story, and then she's like, oh, I found my fucking, I found my balls. Fuck you, Ted. I want this house. Also, right? Ted was comes. banging another lady. No, it's not, I'm not, like, she was kind of, she felt powerless, and then she finds her ability to assert herself. But it's through thinking about her mother and grandmother's stories. Yeah. Also, he thought she was so submissive that she wouldn't mind when he said, I need you to sign the divorce papers so I can get remarried. It's like, wait, you've got another woman already? Like, holy shit. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. And grows the spine. And he's, he is flabbergasted. He had he'd never saw that coming. And I think that's another theme of the book is like people underestimating the Chinese women in the stories. You know, like they're they're constantly and I don't want to say this like they're like the stereotype of they're like conniving and sneaky, but like people people don't see them for what they're capable of in these stories. 
and it then a, it's a big thing with like the, the mothers talking about to the, to the girls like the difference between your your Chinese face and your the face you show everyone was like something like that where never let people know what you're thinking always be ready to protect yourself or like get the upper hand somehow All, not not don't always be scheming but like don't let anyone in on your plan because these are women that had to do that shit their whole life in a fairly repressive society. I know the quote you're talking about. I'm trying to find it. It was the, wasn't the one where she was getting her hair cut and she was like shit talking her and she was like embarrassed that her daughter was like taking her to get this haircut and like saying like trying to like translate it for her. Like she doesn't understand what the guy is saying and they're both embarrassed of each other. I think that's what it was. But there is, you know, there's also the, I, mean, I think I'm getting confused with the quotes and stuff I highlighted here about, like, the difference between being Chinese and being American. Kind of hard to so get back to that F, uh, Chinese. It's going to come up with a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let no. me just look through these. Uh, four four thousand hits. <laughs> I'm going to back to that douche Waverly real fast because I hate her. I hate her so much. She was fucking mean to June, who I have to, we have to sympathize with because she's the main character. <laughs> and Waverly was a real cunt about things. So Waverly's mom is Delroy Lindo, and Waverly <laughs> turns out to be really good at chess, and is just a chess prodigy, and then gives up on it because she pisses off her mom. Like, they have a fight, and I can't remember what the fight's about now, but they have this fight, and about like, oh, that she's like, mom, stop fucking bragging about me, like, using me as a tool to brag about. Yeah. And then... That leads her to say, like, I'm not doing the next tournament. And the mom's like, okay, whatever, dude. And the mom just cold shoulders her for a while and shakes her confidence. And then she loses, like, she, like a kid that she had beaten many times, he wins that tournament. And, like, she just goes downhill. And she never plays chess again, basically. But then her story, like, she, she's super just, she of all the characters, she's the most embarrassed of her parents. And the most just like, oh, God, they're, it's, they're so terrible. And the mom even says something to her at one point with, during that haircutting scene, I think it was. And she's like, oh, this is the place where I met your father, whatever. But they tore it down. You know, there was a building here. But then they put up the 50-story place where you and your husband live and look down on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, see, I can be funny, too. There's a scene at some point for dinner where June had... Where Waverly is just a dick to June, and I just I just can't forgive her for being oh, a dick it's for New Year's dinner when they're eating the crab. So June, yeah. which is actually Amy Tan, is working as a copy editor, copywriter at like an ad agency in San Francisco. But Waverly is a tax attorney who's married to a tax attorney, and they apparently like a month or two before these this like scene. The tax company had hired Amy Tan to like actually write some copy and write did this whole like ad thing, but the tax attorneys like didn't like it. Well, okay, so Amy Tan says at the meeting at the at in at the dinner at the Chinese New Year dinner with the crabs with in front of everybody. Well, I would have more money if your if you accountants would fucking actually pay me what you owe me. And Waverly, instead of being like, oh, sorry, she says, well, I hate to say this, but we just didn't like the work that you did. So that's why we haven't paid you for it. And of course, that's like, so it's like, holy shit. That's how well, accountants also- act. 
<laughs> Accountants, Nate. <laughs> this is um, going to hold her to account. This is in in the context like of the conversation. You know, like the parents are trying to do the thing where they brag about their kid to other parents, and then the kids are getting involved in this. But the kids are fucking grown ups, and so yeah, they're, they're all in their doing 30s. These, They're doing these polite insults, sort of like super backhanded compliment kind of things, and. That's when it and and June is like fuck this enough of this I'm just gonna come out and say it now and then uh, that's when Waverly drops the whole your work and then she's like listen it's it's really good for other firms but not what we're looking for they're looking for this kind of thing they're looking for something was, classier something a little more high high brow than what she was capable of giving them yeah she's using insulting her on a, not on like just on her her work this but like on her, on calligraphy course. like you are. Less class, you're not classy enough to do it. The comic sans of whatever it is you do. <laughs> it's like everything can't be papyrus, June. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a fucking Egyptian accounting firm. <laughs> so, Amy Tan really did work as a copywriter, copy editor for a long time. And in the documentary I saw, she said, Amy Tan said, Oh, yeah. Joyla Club was actually my second bestseller. My first bestseller was a telecommunications manual that was sold a million copies in the telecommunications industry in like the Noted late 70s or early books. 80s. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I had a bestseller before, but she just <laughs> hated it so much. She's like, I'm going to try writing fiction. And so she like did that for a while. And then what the first... Not her first thing, probably, but, you know, her first real thing of fiction to get published was, in fact, this book. So then who'd we leave out? We haven't talked about Ying Ying and and, uh, her daughter... Lena. Lena. The... uh, So Ying Ying St. Clair, which sounds like a fucking porn actress name, frankly. Or someone on Gossip Girl. (laughs) She is... She's like... Her whole thing is about fate and destiny. Like as a China, young girl in China, they're at some party and some fucking... Moon Lady Festival. Yeah, and some shithead uncle guy or family friend guy says something crude. I forget what it was, but he's basically like, hey, how's your pussy or something. <laughs> and she's like eight. <laughs> and then, no, it was, like, it was like six months before she married him. And then she's like, oh, <sighs> he's disgusting. And she's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to marry that guy. That's what's going to happen. And then she just kind of lets that happen to her. That's how she describes it. Like the destiny just falls into her and she marries this guy and he's gross. But then he leaves her and cheats on her and, you know, he's gone. While she's pregnant with his kid, then she gets a, uh, a schmushmorshman and uh, yeah. like she, gets, she, she drinks some sort of like, I don't know what kind of apothecary she went to, but she gets an abortion in 1937 China. Fuck his kid. Yeah. Which I think I saw this scene in the movie. And I thought she like, there was, I remember flipping through the channels and seeing the Joyla Club for about a minute and a half in my life. <laughs> and there's a scene where a woman lets a kid drown in a tub. And she's like, oh, Jesus. And I think this is the only scene that that could have been unless they really changed the Bing thing, which we skipped over. Um, yeah, Rose. that kid didn't. Yeah, well, maybe. I guess, I mean, it's hard to know without any actual context since you didn't see the rest of the movie. Nope. I, get, I, was, I planned on reading the Wikipedia article about it, but that was... There is there's one, 
older woman who whose brother drowns at the beach. Not in a bathtub, though. No, Rose's uh, Rose's brother drowns. Oh, oh, right, because they're in America. And it's the youngest kid, yeah. Chandler Bang. He, his name is Bang. And it's when their father is in, like, he's reenacting Chinese Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, like, a bamboo fishing rod. And he's like, she also had... Stay over there, family of seven children. Yeah, a lot of brothers and sisters. And she was like, why do I have to watch him? And then they're just, like, so many kids. They get distracted. And, and then at the same time that the littlest one named Bing had, has walked out onto the... The jetty, or the 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 pier, or whatever it was, and and he fell in, and nobody like saw it like right away. Um, but yet, I forget which 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 daughter this is. I don't even remember. Um, it's yeah, it's Rose. It's Rose's Rose's brother. She like kind of sees it, but there's like so much going on, and but she was told by her mother like you need to watch all of your younger siblings, and he was one of them. She, they like they call the you know they call the police and the police like bring out boats and they do a search and they can't find him and then they're like we're and then you know after hours of searching they say I'm sorry where he's gone and then they still come back the next day the next morning early the next morning to try and find him and I can't remember they do they find him or don't no but the whole point of that seems, there's this word and that they googled it, and it's the word is it, and is this the one where like how my mother lost her faith is that yeah this section and it's, Neng Khan or something like that is the word that is as it's presented in the book. I did not actually get to Google and fact check. This is um, this Chinese belief that if you, you know, work hard and believe in yourself, you could accomplish shit. And the mother had this faith. Isn't that just confidence? It's, but it's like, you know, it's like presented, at least it's kind of presented as one of those like, you don't have a word for it kind of things. Mm. But then she loses it because she goes to the beach and is like, no, we will fucking find this kid. And she even offers to the sea the ring that she got from her mother, the concubine, right? Like the blue stone ring. Isn't that this part? It's like an offering to the gods or whatever. Like throws it into the sea. It's like, now give me back my kid. And, and strangely, it doesn't work like that. And then the mother's faith is destroyed. So she uses her Bible now to like even out a table. And has for yeah, that'll 20 do years. It. By the way, I looked it up on the, on the Wikipedia, which is never wrong. In the movie, they did change it. Ying Ying does not have an abortion. She accidentally drowns her son in a bathtub during a period of Great Depression. Oh, so they, they sanitized it a little. Is, is drowning a child in a bathtub sanitizing it anything? Makes it, it, makes it, an, <laughs> it makes it an accident and not a willful decision on her part. Well, like she kind of wants... Like, she kind of is in a funk, and she's sitting there, and she's like, "That baby's drowning." She's like, oh, "Yeah, I it's care. it's not it's it's gray, but it's not so much like, well, it's fuck black, that guy, dude. I'm gonna it's have gray. an abortion." <laughs> I guess you know because they made it, they made the kid even like born and like of age to take a bath. So they fuck with Babies the timeline. Take baths pretty soon. Mostly, I mean, it's was it was it a baby baby or was it like a toddler in the bath? I don't know. If it was a toddler could stand up, they. Well, I'm saying drown, like so I, I didn't see the movie. Infant. What was it? What was it's it? It's like in a basin. Okay. It's like a an infant. You know, it's not able to stand, so it's got to be yeah. younger than a year, younger than eight, ten months. It's when most kids start pulling themselves. Maybe out. they're just trying to avoid some political controversy by having her abort the baby out of spite. <laughs> like we already have the. We're gonna, it's gonna be tough. It's 1992 or whenever the movie came out. Yeah. No one's seen a movie with this many Chinese people. 
and actually some of the actors aren't even Chinese, but close enough for American audiences. We don't need to throw abortion into this story. Yeah. So then Lena's mom's thing is all about destiny. She, you know, her kid dies. And then she meets White Cliff, the uh, White Cliff Jean, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy, the American guy who's into her and like courts her for like four years. Jesus yeah, fucking years. Whatever. Just coming by the trinket shop or the handbag store where she worked or some shit. Yep. How many bags did that man need? He just he really was into into her, you know. And eventually, she gets married, and they go to the new world. And is this the dad who is constantly? No, I think it was the other the other white dad that you really meet, who's constantly mistranslating what his wife says. Like they both, uh, no, they both refuse to learn Chinese. That's him dads. because she's the only older woman that married a white guy. An May Sue married a white dude, didn't she? I thought she did. I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. But then her kid Lena marries the cheapest fuck in the universe. <laughs> Harold fucking I don't know what to say. Is this the guy? Who, <laughs> is this the guy who they they they're always writing down their budgets? Like this is what I spend. This is what you spent. Yeah, that, and then they're like, they're like writing each other. This is before Venmo. They're like writing each other checks. I owe you twelve fifty for bagel for the bites. bill this month because <laughs> I watched this movie. Like, <laughs> like the pettiest shit ever, and he explains it like that way. Our relationship is not about money; it's about love. Oh, but, right, because he's the one. But yet they have was, a business together, and they design theme restaurants. That was her idea to yeah. do it, yeah. And she does the interior decorating, but he's like the man who owns the business, and he gets all the money, and she doesn't get shit, even though she it was her idea. And then he's like, think of how bad it would look if I paid you more. <laughs> what? <laughs> what yes. is that? They what? still have to split their expenses, even though they're married. And they get, for separate, but he gets paid three times more, and they basically do the same work, and work at the same thing. She works at his firm. And she does half the work at his firm. Yeah, it was very, very unfair. I mean, he's also like, not only is it unfair, but then he tries to like finagle it so she still ends up paying more. Like they go out for dinner and he's like, let's split it down the middle. But he had a You got more dressing on your salad. So uh, you know how egg prices are up since the depression. And he's also like, you know what would really help me? If you moved in with me and paid me five hundred dollars a month in rent, yeah, she's like, my rent is four fifty. Why would I? <laughs> yeah, That's stupid. Her rent, but she goes along with it, doing that because she's passive, like the mother, and it's like this is my destiny. That's what I have to do. This is what's happening, and you know, the only thing like she's only later in life reflecting on her childhood. That and her mom's story, but specifically the thing I remember from her childhood that they lived in this apartment building and the apartment next door or beneath them or something had this family of white, a white family that the daughter and mom were fighting constantly, like loud shouting, hitting each other fights. The daughter would run oh, out yeah. and, you know, sneak down the, the um, fire escape. And she's like, what a terrible family. Oh my God. We never do that. But it's because she and her mother never fucking said anything. Like, nothing got communicated. It was all just, like, you know, cryptic things that the kid didn't understand that the mother would say. Which is the part of the book, like, I don't know, maybe it is true about Asian culture. It did feel a little stereotypical to me 
when the mothers would say things that sound vaguely like a Confucius say kind oh, yeah. of line. There's a lot of like myth, like mythical crouching tiger sayings. It's like people don't talk like this. But maybe they do. I fucking don't know. I mean, Amy Tan, this is her story, so I'm not going to say it's untrue. But it just did remind me of a lot of stereotypical stuff you see when the older Asian person is like, it is said that when grasshopper in field is quiet, and you're like, what the fuck does this mean? And that's how the mothers are communicating often to the kids. And the kid's like, uh-huh, sure. And then they don't understand each other. And it's only through like thinking about, man, those fucking mom, that mom and daughter that like yelled at each other. They really loved each other because whenever that girl would come back home and they'd reconcile, you could hear how much they cared about each other. And it's by expressing directly what they thought and felt allowed them to have a better relationship in many ways than she and her mother had where they didn't express anything at all. This this story was the, the one where it was most, to me at least, the most obvious. Like You get the same kind of story or the same two perspectives on the same things. Because when you hear about it from Lena's perspective, she thinks her mother is just like a weirdo and might be crazy. And her dad is always like mistranslating her stuff and he doesn't speak Chinese. And so her mother has to speak broken English to everyone in her family. And then when you get to Yingying's perspective, she thinks her daughter's an idiot. Yeah. Her, her daughter is like a vapid moron. I think maybe she was the one getting her hair cut. I can't remember what, what it was, but... It was for the wedding. She was getting remarried, and she brought her mom to the... That's Waverly uh, got the hair salon. Thing. Yeah. Oh, really? It, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Ying Ying thinks Should Lena, have taken notes. It's, it's hard. It's hard because it jumps around in no order at all. And they're, all, they're, they're not all the same, but they're similar. This, this, the idea is, you know, the mothers and the daughters don't really get along in the way that we would think of how mothers and daughters get along or how, you know, they're supposed to. And maybe that's a cultural thing or maybe that's a, you know, it's a, it's a sense a, of a traumatic childhood for cultures. all of them also. And the fact that a lot of them don't speak the same language emotionally or literally. A couple, I think it's because it's because they're of two different cultures and they're unable to bridge to bridge them until they really think about it, and it's the end of the story. Then they can figure it out. Except but Waverly, the first never plus does. years of their lives are like, who knows? Waverly never um, fakes it out. Part, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here about also like all the Chinese history stuff. While fascinating, explains a lot of the mother's perspective perspectives, and right? their well, life is hard. Get your shit together, or you're gonna fucking die. But also, everything was super narrow, like remote everything was your village essentially hmm. and there's a line towards the end of the book where um I, I guess it's um june talking at this point and someone's like oh i could set you up with a boy or something like that i don't know who's talking actually he's like i saw him he's cantonese how could on may think i could marry such a person but she said we're not in china anymore you don't have to marry the village boy here everybody is now from the same village even if they come from different parts of china right like like what is China is different to the different generations yeah. of women in this story. Like the entire concept we have of the language of Chinese is not a thing. It's not a real language. It's like three hundred languages, eight dialects, nine dialects, something like that. Of which they some, some sound people would say they're not so even dialects. Different to each other that two people of two different dialects pretty much can't understand each other. That's what's where one of the um, the older people. 
meets her second husband in a learn English class, but they speak different languages, and so they have to communicate in broken English. That was the one who worked at the... Uh, the fortune cookie factory? The fortune cookie factory. Which is where she meets the other women, or at least one of them. Yeah, one of the other women, yeah. And where they're like, what the fuck are these things we're making? Like, the <laughs> Americans think this is what Chinese people do. <laughs> but like, when you're first reading it, they're not, it's not like... Making hot I, pancakes. Yeah, you have to take a hot pancake, I have to put a piece of paper, and I have to fold it up. And you're like, is that a fortune cookie? <laughs> and I really liked, because they were really dated fortune cookies. Um, also, were, if for listeners, if you didn't know, fortune cookies are not Chinese. They were invented in San Francisco to get put with Chinese food. And that if you go to China, they literally sell them as real American fortune cookies. Well, they're fucking hysterical, the fake fortunes they have in this. They find it because they're like, wow. That nobody could have thought. Like in 1950, did people really think the wise that's man what puts Chinese his pants leg on one at a time? Wait, what? Americans had absolutely no concept of what China was really like, so they believe anything. I really like this one. It says, uh, "It was here's here some of the the fortunes that she has. They are uh, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Don't ever settle for a pal." <laughs> These, um, are just, and these are like ad slogans. A house is not a home when a spouse is not at home. Like, what? The Dr. Seuss? <laughs> but <laughs> uh, my favorite, though, Confucius say, sick, I'm not, that's what they said. Yeah. Confucius say, a woman is worth a thousand words. Tell your wife she's used up her total. <laughs> it's like, managed to get racist and sexist into one sentence. Impressive. <laughs> Dude so from they're not even a fortune. <laughs> well, they, and yeah, then they, they had do. lucky numbers after that. <laughs> and then you just add in bed <laughs> to the end of it. Uh, are there major, so do we get to the end of the book? June makes her way to China, and she's so concerned that the sisters are going to blame her because the sisters don't even know that the mother is dead. Like, the timing is terrible. They find out. They, you know, the Joy Love didn't Club she get, finds... Didn't she get uh, one of the older ones to write, to write the letter? letter yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's like, you have to write a letter because they're going to blame me. They're going to think that she's dead because of me. And they send a letter, and she goes to China, and they meet um, like her father, who, is not also, who also has not been back since he fled in the chaos after World War II. Who meets his aunt, who is still alive. She's only five years older than him, right? They say that. <laughs> And their conversation is, oh, my God, look how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> You're all grown Holy up. shit, look how old you are. <laughs> I have a check for every year old you are. <laughs> and then uh, she meets the sisters. And there's really not a scene there. Like, that's not important. Like, they hug each other. And she's like, wow, they look just like my mom. I like, actually, they don't really look like my mom. I'm just kind of looking for that. It'd be weird if but her dad looked like her mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the end. But then she kind of reflects at the end there. Like, oh. Well, they right. find out what happened to those twins is that they were found by people living in caves. Secret Chinese Muslim well, cave dwellers. Wait, hold on. We, the we're Uyghurs? Ba- back up for a second. <laughs> Actually, that might have been who it was. But yeah, back up for a second. So the mom is like carrying two twin infant girls and whatever possessions she can also manage to try to carry on her back, fleeing 
I don't think it was Shanghai, but it was uh, before the Japanese like Gua- get Guilin there. Guilin and she's like that was city. walking through China, and then her literally her hands are bleeding because she can't like carry anything more, and so she she abandons most of her stuff. And when she finally can't abandon, she, the last thing she can possibly abandon is the girls that fucking her children. She leaves them under a tree with whatever valuable she had and a nice note that says like the, they are named so-and-so I do not remember their names and please take care of them flower and spring rain, you know, hoping that hoping that, you know, because they had like had a, their mom isn't dead that some uh, hoping that someone will take them in. And apparently somebody did. And they were Muslims that lived in caves. These are like, they're Chinese, but they're Muslim. Uh, they live in caves and like take the kids in and then like care for them. They're like they're, they're also like, illiterate. They don't. They can't read, so they don't know what the note says. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're fucking troglodyte people. <laughs> <laughs> that is what that word means. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, gotta find a woman. Eventually, <laughs> they find somebody who can like read the note, who tells them where they should look, and then like after the war, when the kids are like nine or ten. They're like, oh, we're going to go back to whatever the town was or city was and try and find the grandparent, try and find whoever it was. They're not there anymore. Oops. And then... Well, didn't the mother, when she left them there, she left all the note and the stuff in case someone found them, but she went to go like try and find help and food and went back and they were gone. She like passed out at some point and was picked up and she finds oh, right, herself yeah. on a truck. She, she was trying to find or help. And she was picked up while unconscious. I think. Yeah, she's like, I, I want to come. I'll come back as soon as I can. And then by the time, it, fucking, it was a whirlwind. And, uh, and a world war. <laughs> damn it. I have another beer I didn't even fucking open yet. I had a third beer. I just drank it. I didn't even talk about it. Oh, We're going to move on. Uh, I was thirsty. Um, but, you know, I bet, I don't fucking know. Fuck Stay home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can fit it in there. Ten. I mean, there are probably plenty of times that when they went to America, people were like, hey, you should have stayed home. Oof, yeah, a lot. I mean, not even a joke. Like, that's literally... Have you ever seen the political cartoons from the early 1900s or late 1800s about China? They're not it subtle. Is, it is outrageous. Oh, my God. Like, everybody has, like, a fucking Manchu cue off the back of their head. Giant Which buck is... How hairstyles in China really did look like that. Like, that was true. Oh, yeah, totally. But they didn't have giant beaver teeth. No. No. But, uh, yeah, it's insane. It reminds me of that South Park where they go to the Hall of Intolerance. (laughs) And and they're, like, just shouting out slurs. And Cartman's like, yeah, this is awesome. And you see that. You're like, oh, my God. Like, who would fucking enjoy this thing? Only a sociopath (laughs) would, like, look at this thing. Yeah, that made sense. Yeah. The yellow man is a threat. Like, they're just ridiculous things. But anyway, this is called E.T. Stay Home 10. I've been, it's, it's been aged for a while in my fridge. Um, they actually just re-re-released E.T. Stay Home 1 for oh, like the 15th yeah. time. Just do the whole 10 cycle has again. not returned. So, no, you won't be able to find this. And we'll see if you need to. It's a Berliner Weiss. Brewed with milk, sugar, raspberry, passion fruit, guava, marshmallow, and coconut from Evil Twin NYC. That's that's a potent a potent smell. Oh, sweet Jesus Christ, that's good. 
That's like finding your long lost twins good. That's really. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's great. She might have if she stayed home. That's just juice. So it's good, yet it survived in your fridge for all this time? Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, probably some flavors have mellowed out, but the tartness has also mellowed out. I just assumed that if it was good, you would have drank it already. And if it was bad, that's why you would have left it there. There are like 47 stay homes. I had, I have a whole shelf of fridge that's just beers that I'm like, I should save that for the podcast. And I was just saving one of every four pack. <laughs> and I'm, I, every once in a while, I, you know, like, oh, I should go back and keep working through those. So my wife stops complaining about having shits in this fridge. <laughs> uh, no, it is good, but it's also not my, my go-to thing. I don't really love fruited sours. I, if I have a choice of what to drink, I will, I will definitely go for the IPA or the stout. Uh, the fruited sour, kind of to be in the mood for it, and I can't have a lot of them. Otherwise, I'll feel like garbage the next day. So this one got lucky and st- stuck around. But you really smell the marshmallow. That's Which is amazing, because there's marshmallows just weird. sugared. Like, I don't, I don't, it's hard to smell marshmallow when you're, it's the only thing there is to smell. I don't know, unless that's what fucking raspberries smell like, and I've been wrong my whole life. <laughs> or, well, to be fair, I don't know what the fuck a guava smells like. <laughs> nope. So I think we hit the major points. Anything we left out? I'm sure there's plenty, but. Oh, yeah, probably plenty. So this is a book that was assigned in one of my high school English classes. And that I had to read. I was a sophomore, second semester sophomore in high school. And we read a bunch of books in that. It was American literature was the name of the class. And it was the first time I hated English class as a kid. Always hated it. And also, this was the first time I was taking a class that wasn't just like ninth grade English. It was actually like had a thing to it. Uh, in the same you class we read... We read The Grapes of Wrath. We read... This wasn't out when he was... Old Man in the Sea. We read a couple of other things. And then this was maybe the final thing of the year. Hmm. And here's the crazy part. Was this in addition to English class or was it like the English class? This was like... So it was the kind of thing where it's like your homework is read pages 1 to 60 tonight and we're going to talk about it tomorrow. You know, it was... I I mean, did you have like English... 10. This was called American, American Literature is what the name of the class was. American Literature 2, okay. essentially 1865 to 19 to, to whatever year it was. It was, hmm. you know. 1865. <laughs> like a light <laughs> 1866. college, college yes. framing. It was a college framing, I guess, but also I was like 15 and definitely in over my head. Though I remember... The other books, I actually remember it because we've done a bunch of those on the podcast. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This book, I remember having a copy. I remember opening it, and I do not remember what was in it at all. Before we were, before it was like, oh, uh, Joy Luck Club one. I don't remember that at all. But I remember having it, but I don't remember what happens. And then rereading it, absolutely nothing was familiar. Like, nothing at all. So I'm wondering if I really, how much of it I actually read. And I, I, I doubt I read the whole thing. It's more like a collection of short stories. Also, it doesn't have the kind of plot that is, it doesn't have a plot, sort of. I mean, it does a little bit, but it doesn't have a typical novel plot. It also isn't set up in a way that's like other books. So it's harder to like remember what happens. But 
you would think I would remember at least some details. It's but like no, that. I really um, don't. It's like the tweet that just happened where they talked about someone talked about uh, our yellow wallpaper episode. That was a short story you read two years ago. You said, I couldn't remember what that was about. Actually, it wasn't even the yellow oh, wallpaper. No, it was, that yeah, was, exactly. Uh, it was a, a family matters. <laughs> it was a good man is hard to find. Good man is hard to find, yeah. So it was like, uh, short stories, they're hard to remember sometimes, unless they, unless they really stand out, because, you know, it's, 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 they're short. Like, you read a whole and book, <laughs> you can get, like, even if you get, like, 1% of a book, that's, you know, that's something. 1% of a short story is a word. And so, yeah, I really did not remember any of it. Nothing was familiar. I, and I was wondering why that is. I'm hoping it's because I didn't actually read it. Uh, other reasons why maybe I didn't re- recall it, it's because it's a story about the immigrant experience and growing up in, like, the whitest state in the Union. I had, like, no concept of, like, whatsoever. second whitest. <laughs> Technically second whitest, because Maine is the whitest state. <laughs> it's also about like, I mean, the second half is being like, you know, in your thirties and getting divorced. And it's kind of like, well, as a 15 year old kid, I had no concept of that. It's also about China of which I had knew no Chinese history at the time at all. So even the parts about the, you know, the, the Kuomintang and like fleeing the Japanese and like, I had no idea what any of that was. It's, it's also, also about mothers and daughters, which is definitely which something that teenage boys you, should like yeah. be exposed to, but I had no <laughs> concept of. I had no, like, you know, wasn't part of my experience as a teenage boy. So, like, I, there are just so many things about this book that even if I had read it as a stupid, dumb kid who wasn't a good reader, would just not have noticed, not have had a, a concept to, like, understand. It's also about, uh, you know, the differences between how, how to straddle two different cultures, which isn't allowed in New Hampshire because there's all, all they have there is New Hampshire and everything else is communism. Kind of true. <laughs> or maple syrup. <laughs> that's, that's everyone's culture there. That's the, that's the glue holding those people together. <laughs> it's sticky. so goddamn sticky. <laughs> I saw on Goodreads you had rated this a few years ago. Was that just a retroactive rating? Yes, definitely. Well, I, I think when I decided to, basically, I guess I'm going to join Goodreads and I'm going to try and remember every book I've ever read just so I can like put in a rating. See, this was, I know, okay, I at the time when I put that in, I thought I had read it. I'm now less sure that I actually <laughs> read it. Having actually read it this time and finding none of it familiar, none of it even memorable. Maybe I actually didn't, or maybe I only read a tiny bit. And I recall watching at least part of the movie in class. I don't think we watched the whole thing, but we definitely watched part of it. Jimmy, your first time reading it? It was, yeah. Uh, I, I knew almost nothing about it except the title. and It was about uh, a Chinese woman, and that was it. We didn't read this in college, or I mean, in, in high school or college, because uh, I went to music college. Um, but... Yeah, uh, it's just one of those, you know, not like modern classics, I guess, that everyone knows about that I just had absolutely zero exposure to, despite growing up in Queens, where it was way more relevant. Yeah. I feel like we should have read this in high school. (laughs) Yeah, I think I had. No, no, I didn't read The Good Earth. We, we, We definitely read like one Asian book. 
And they said that was probably good enough. I don't remember what it was. Oh, I remember reading Sound of Waves. Uh, That's by a Japanese author, Yukio Mishima or something like that. Maybe we didn't read any. It's very very possible. Um, Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, I didn't have any expectations going in. I still haven't seen the movie. I don't know if I'll watch it. I don't think there's any reason to at this point. But it was good. I thought it was pretty good. And it's not anything that I have any experience at all in. Um, Though my wife is not Chinese, but Korean. So that still doesn't mean Or as the white characters in this book would say, same thing. Yeah, they would. I asked her if she likes the book a lot too. She asked her if it meant anything more because she was Asian. Her mother was from there. She's like, no, not at all. It's like, oh, all right, cool. Well, I don't know. Why the fuck are you asking me that? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Maybe something you can relate to. It was like, no. Zero. Shut the fuck up, round eye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, like three white dudes, we don't have any experience like with the, you know, first generation growing up thing. Nothing. Not even close. Except Nate, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if Canada counts. <laughs> Not really. Well, Nate's parents were on the Mayflower. That's They were immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the reasons to read a book is to be exposed to things you wouldn't actually be able to experience in real life. And so this was a very different perspective that I obviously have no uh, experience with. And so that was interesting. It got a lot of mixed reviews from the people that do have this experience. It, it sells itself, or at least my impression of it, before seeing that it got some bad, poor reviews, was that this was more or less realistic, or at least it was, even though it was fiction, it was still largely based on real life, mm. and that this was largely kind of real. And I still kind of got that impression, seeing that documentary about uh, Amy Tan, is like a lot of these stuff, a, a lot of this stuff kind of did happen, or at least it was based on real stories. It didn't seem outside the realm of possibility. But yet, according to Wikipedia... In the reception section. A lot of angry men's rights It also received criticism (laughs) for perpetuating racist stereotypes about Asian Americans. And other Asian Americans were the ones saying this. Like, it it, it was, these are Asian stereotypes. And so, like, yeah, that's that's not great. I mean, I don't know what exactly they were criticizing or, I mean, even if I did, I wouldn't really be able to tell if who was right or if both it says were right. it depicted chinese culture as backwards cruel and misogynistic is what it says here um i don't i think um calling it calling the chinese traditional culture of the late 1800s early 1900s comparatively backwards and misogynistic is not that far off the mark in many ways. Also, it wasn't still just had Chinese culture. Binding their daughter's feet so they wouldn't grow to be too big. Yeah. And that's one misogynistic. Of the, one of the moms really did say, Oh, my feet used to be so <clears throat> small and cute, and now they're big and, you know, gross looking. And, you know, 1920s American and European culture was also wildly misogynistic. By our standards today, all cultures were wildly backwards, cruel, and misogynistic. So, Except the Isle of Lesbos. <laughs> <laughs> that enlightened place. <laughs> 
I did have this thought about those critics, you know, and I know this may be wildly wrong, but remember when we talked about Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston mm. and how a lot of Harlem Renaissance writers are like, fuck this book. This isn't what we're trying to show right now. Yeah. Because it shows us not at like the talented 10th kind of W.E.D.B. Du Bois kind of view. Like, look at the best of black people. It shows like people who aren't the best, people who are kind of normal. And it's not helping because it's going to set, it's going to confirm some stereotypical views that exist. I wonder if there's some element of that with the critics of this book. Because she never purports to be like, this represents all of Chinese American experience. It's her experience, right? It's, it's a thinly veiled memoir. And it was also the 80s, the 1980s, so... But in the 80s, like, there was, like, like people, like, the sensitivity to, like, even distinguish between a person from China and a person from Japan didn't exist. Like, famously, there was a fucking, uh, like, a auto workers in Detroit got laid off, oh, God, and they yeah. went to go beat up a Japanese guy, and they killed him. And they were like, whoops, he's Chinese. And they're like, whatever, same difference. Yeah. Like, that was a real thing. So I wonder if the author, the, the, the academics who were reviewing this in 1989 were hoping for... I mean, were they academics or were higher. they like something else? We don't even know who these... who We don't know who Literary said... Literary figures were, such as Chinese-American author Frank Chin said that, that it depicted Chinese culture as backwards, cruel, and misogynistic. So there is a link to a actual person who said that. And I don't know anything about this guy, <laughs> Frank Chin, but that is his name. Frank Chin Delano Roosevelt? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't say that here on Wikipedia. But, but you, you, know, like, my, you know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, like, it's... it's that they're like, we know, no, we, we're at a point, like, we, in the hypothetical we here of the Asian American writers, we need to, like, present a better view. And mm-hmm. here you're just pre- presenting stuff that people who have very narrow views are just going to be like, yeah, there it is. I wonder if that's part of the equation. Because, like, if you look at, like, the celebrated Asian, like, there's a ton of Asian stereotypes in uh, fucking... Uh, crazy rich Asians. Like it's Some not, Asian people found that racist too. And if you're looking for this sort of thing to be like, aha, you didn't present it right, like you're going to find it. Otherwise you're going to, or you'll do something where you show something wildly un-Chinese or wildly un-whatever topic you're talking about. And then people are like, this isn't authentic. Like you can't win with a certain number of people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't have to agree. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like that. I know what you, I know what you if mean. She's gonna, like, if she's going to show about how her her bossy tiger mom type people are going to say, that's just confirming the stereotype of the tiger mom Chinese mother. Even if that's her actual experience. I mean, but if she showed a mom who was like a hippie white suburban mom who just happened to be Chinese, people's like, that's not what Chinese moms were like back then. Like she won't be able to get, she won't be able to win. Yeah, that's true. Nate, what do you think? I thought the book was fine. I thought it was, I thought it was good. Even though it like jumped, I felt like it jumped around a lot, and because I wasn't taking notes about whose daughter was whose and whose mother was whose, it's very hard to recount. But and I could, and I wasn't sure even even reading it, like who uh, who was who. But all the all the individual stories were actually very interesting, and 
a couple of them were similar to a few others, but actually a lot of them were quite different and about different things. I did like it. I thought it was good. Possibly, you know, some of these uh, negative views of it, it's not, it part, it's, it's partly because it's based on a small subset of people that came to America, they fled. The kind of people that were running were people that are from cir- certain cir- similar circumstances, like they're maybe not like the wealthy ones or the educated ones. A lot of these women that ran, they were married off at a young age. They, they weren't necessarily all rural, but they weren't... They were specifically not rural. Yeah, they, but they were, at the time and in that place, they were just to be married off, which was what girls in other countries did at the time too, and in some countries still today. So there's always going to be a similar kind of outlook from people in similar circumstances in similar places. And the kind of people that came to America to escape the war were fleeing because they weren't, things weren't going well where they were. And they lost everything. And they're going to have a certain outlook on life and the way they were raised and the, what they went through. And it's four people who went through similar shit. Is it weirder <laughs> that also all the... Except for... Nah, I guess only one daughter turned out to be a shitbag. One's kind of dumb. Fucking Waverly. Waverly sucks, but also Lena's not great, but she tries her best. But you know, is I don't know. I I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a Chinese girl. I'm not, so I don't know how to <laughs> interpret the relationships between mothers and children. So it's 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 hard. It's also a generational thing. I don't know if it's still like that. I don't know if people because there it's there are still people immigrating now and having kids for the first generation now here. I don't know if it's the same. That what Church that because these people all left before communism. People leaving these now people who specifically left then. So you get the impression that they were probably more of like the landed gentry type or the you know the people who had something to lose with the communists coming to power. Right? None of them are like my itinerant peasant farmer father fled America uh, China. Well, people can still also be caught in the middle of a civil war and just need to leave. That can definitely happen, too. But in many of their stories, like, oh, I was from a good family. We had a house. We had this. We had servants. And they were all basically child brides. Yeah. They weren't really. they They were more seen as property of their husband than. They're also all Christian. Like, they're all in the. They're all members of the. Baptist, the Chinese yeah. Baptist Church yeah, that's of San Francisco or whatever the little corner was. Which would, I think was a real church. It's a real church. Yeah, yeah, it's real. That was just a kind of community center. I don't, I don't know what the Christian else. population of China was like before Mao. I, 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 don't I mean, know. it was, there were some, but it's definitely very small. I think there was um, just like well, the other theme about how the these these daughters of the immigrant mothers they're kind of stuck between the two two different worlds that's a very like in America even today people see people you know many people look at people from China Korea Japan Asia etc and say where like, are you from yeah which is like the tr- the, the typical like microaggression kind of thing but even when the person speaks fluent english and i think i think that's just carelessness of language i don't think it's necessarily a, quite as strong as accusing them of being an invader. Yeah. But, you know, they just are still seen as, like, that's not what an American looks like, you know? 
So there's a line here, though, uh, Lindo talking, and she says to her daughter, even if you put on their clothes, meaning people in China, if you take off your makeup and hide your fancy jewelry, they know. They know you're, They know just watching the way you walk, the way you carry your face, they know you do not belong, right? So, like, you're not Chinese. Also, she's a foot taller than everybody. Well, that happens to yeah, because she had, you know... Proper nutrition. Be, yeah. Yeah. R- but you're saying, like, if you, you know, if you were to go to China, they would know right away, you're not a Chinese, you're an American. Yet in America, you're not really... They're like, you're a Chinese person. And she said, later on the same passage, the mother says, I wanted my children to have the best combination American circumstances and Chinese character. How could I know these two things do not mix? And I feel like that's kind of a big, it's kind of the whole perspective of the mothers in the book. It's a very, very, very common theme in anything about first generation kids. It's almost always a theme in any book written about first generation children. Because it's or a movie, experience, or show, first generation everything. people. Yeah. I mean, when Nate's parents came over from with Leif Erikson, <laughs> they had. To... <laughs> it's very awkward. Like, when what, they crossed the land bridge from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> These are not the mammoth we're used to hunting. <laughs> Where are you from, mammoth? How will my child know how to make appropriate rituals so the sun will rise again? I'll have to talk to Quetzalcoatl about this. <laughs> uh, so I think it's a really good book. I, I think, uh, Nate, you were saying before, like the point of, point of reading, part of it is like essentially to develop empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, do, I know personally I would have not fucking gotten that from this book as a high school student. I was a shitty reader. I certainly I would. I would have not. It's a lot to ask of a kid. But reading as an adult now, I had tremendous empathy for these characters, except for Waverly, that piece of shit. <laughs> everyone else, <laughs> everyone else, like, oh my god, yeah, that is really crazy. Like she's, it's like this like continuous catch twenty two type situations, you know, where they cannot win. The shit know? these mothers went through is astounding. And then they pass it on to their kids in ways that they don't intend to. And those kids have to try to figure it out, too. And that's just like... And a lot of them don't. That, that's the traditional American thing, though, these days. Like, oh, my parents gave me all this package. i got to figure it out. Well, I'll just give it to my kids. So I don't know if giving it to high school students is particularly wise, unless you had you know, a high school full of Chinese-American students. But even then, this is kind of dated now. Amy Tan's 70 years old. So this is a this is you know really not relevant to not directly relevant to the experience of kids coming today from whose parents are born in China or whatever, and those parents would have left for very different reasons. Yeah. So should just anyone who likes book read this book or any book? I mean, obviously, if you're a Chinese American, this might have a little more value to you, or a little or more you might find it hokey as fuck. That's true too. I'm actually curious to know what a Chinese American reader would thinks of this book. Not that any one of them could speak for all of them. <laughs> well, that's also true. Like that with those critics when they're like, this makes Chinese people sound it's like, well, that's you're in a way you're speaking for all of people from China. <laughs> that's your interpretation. That's yeah. Isn't that how criticism works? Yeah. 
But I'd just be curious to hear from someone who I mean, we are we are patently white. <laughs> so that's true. We, we are read it at fifty percent mayonnaise. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Nate. Um, I got some Italian in me. <laughs> so there's, um, you know, I would just be curious, but also not to say I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I enjoyed the book. I don't know if there's anything someone could say to me like that. I would look back like, wow, that book was actually terrible. There might be things that it didn't get right for some people's experience. But if this is a reflection of Amy Tan's experience, I'm not going to argue with that. And I really enjoyed reading it. Yeah, I would say it's kind of fucked up if people were to say, like, you're you're making us look bad, Amy. When she's like, well, this is what happened. It's interesting. Right? When a book like Shuggy Bane comes out, nobody said, hey, Shuggy Bane, you're making Scottish mothers look bad. Well, no one thinks Scottish people look good ever. It's just expected. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's right. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at DrunkGuysBC. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And if you've listened this long, why not leave us a review wherever you're listening? Just round up to five stars. One for each wife that guy had in the book. Oh, yeah, he had five. That was only four. No, no but he, he came home with a, a child. He got a fifth one. Okay, he yeah. gets the fifth one at the end because yeah. we, we did a very thorough job of talking about the book. And we forgot to mention that entirely. We got the gist, just like we do on Goodreads. We have another club, both Joy, Luck, and Book. Join us there. <laughs> and check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.